Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out You know, we're a rock and roll podcast, and the Grammys are not really rock and roll. I actually don't think I was watching it earlier, and like rock music isn't even. Uh, mm-hmm. They do that like the pre like recorded, like nobody cares anymore. <laughs> right? <You know? laughs> no one cares about right. rock. So I looked up best rock performance in album, and they have album performance and like song. But I'm just gonna say the artists that were there. I don't mm-hmm. know it. You know, so you have Beck. The Black Keys, Brandy Carlisle, which I would think is Americana or country. Idols, don't know them. Brian Adams, still kicking and making music. Wow. Summer of 69, baby. Um, <laughs> Ozzy featuring Jeff Beck. Whoa. Uh, and Turnstile. So th- those are like the rock stuff. And then you have like War on Drugs is in one of the rock categories. And then they have alternative and they put like arctic monkeys big thief florence and the machine wet leg and the yeah yeah yes and i'm thinking i'm like if you're putting beck in rock and roll and arctic monkeys and like what's the difference between that like aren't they in the same category of music and yeah they're just just, they're just making shit up at this point they're just trying to include everyone yeah beck beck does make some music that is less everyone gets a grammy heavy going and (laughs) alternative-ish than the Arctic Monkeys, but he's rock and roll. What is the difference? Also, Spoon was in rock. Mm-hmm. Like, I would think if I think alternative music, if that is actually a category, Spoon is, like, at the top of alternative music. Like, I would also consider them rock and roll. <laughs> alternative music doesn't mean anything to me other than 90s alternative music. Yeah. I, I haven't even heard the term mentioned in 20 years. I would imagine, too, you submit like if you don't want to be in the rock, you submit your music for the alternative category. So that's probably where it comes okay, from. Okay, so it's probably a label thing, right? Yeah, if they're like, oh, we can't fuck with Beck. Let's jump right over to alternative, see if we can grab a Grammy. But but just in general, it, it you know, I mean, for our purposes, they're kind of the same thing. I absolutely love Beck, but I don't think I've heard his most recent stuff. He puts out so much stuff, I can't keep up. And it's usually top quality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, we, that's great, man. Yeah, I, I feel like you always have to mention that he's a Scientologist, but <laughs> he was born a Scientologist. For what it's worth, he did not lose his mind after he got famous yeah. and be a weirdo and like. Sign I think up. he's like that was his family, and he's just kind of like, I've heard him talk about it. You, you don't think they have the goods on him, is what you're saying? I don't <laughs> think he ever. He's... I don't think he ever took it seriously enough to get to the level where they start to actually tell you crazy shit. <laughs> it's weird yeah they're just happy that he has the moniker they're like just let Beck go he's, yeah it's good for the brand right, he's not a grand teton at this point i, I think i think a that's teton. one of the categories it can't be that's a national park i know <laughs> just it around. actually i'm wearing this shirt right now but a grand teton <laughs> i was so we were watching the grammys um first of all Smokey robinson and stevie come out with chris stapleton you know uh, chris stapleton's fine but Smokey is 
just looks like they're holding him up on with strings. Like, I mean, he has got to be like weekend at Smokies. <laughs> weekend at Smokies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, an absolute fucking legend. But then Stevie Wonder was playing, and he they bust into higher ground, and I was like, you know, this song is a thousand miles better than any song that is up for any award tonight, or that will be played <laughs> yeah. on stage tonight. And they were like, really? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes. I was like, this is one of the most innovative, like, crazy rock, soul, mm-hmm. funk, whatever you want to call it, songs that is, that is around. So, so it's good to see them do that. Now, have either any of you guys seen the 1971, the year that changed music docuseries on Apple? Mm-hmm. No. It, it, Neil, what you, did you think? Well, I loved it. I mean, I, I'm a sucker for anything like that. I just stumbled upon it and um, thought it was brilliant. I wish they did one for every year. It's crazy. John, I don't know if they could have as much material. John, it's like 1971, the year that changed music. So it's it's eight parts, about 50 minutes each. They kind of focus on a specific section of music that year. Like one episode is kind of just about Tapestry by Carol King and kind of that whole scene. You know, the first episode's a lot of Marvin Gaye and, you know, what was going on with the Beatles at the time and Lennon and stuff like that. And, and you know, Elton John kind of summed it up. He's like there's basically like 10 records a week that you could go to the store and buy that are now classic. And it was right. I mean, the amount of, I don't know if they would have that much content to draw from Neil, if they did every year. I know I was joking. (laughs) They they couldn't say the the year that changed music, 1972. (laughs) I never thought of 1971 as a, as a particularly good year. I think that's why the doc is yeah. great because mm-hmm. you're like, oh yeah, seven. I guess so. You know, well, I never thought of it that way either. Yeah, because it's I kind of bridging that '60s talks. hippie rock and the '70s excess rock, and you have like, what's going on comes out. Elton comes out with his first album. Bowie's recording Ziggy Stardust, and he comes out with uh, uh, Hunky Dory that year. And you know, just uh, Sly is doing. You know, comes out with a huge album. Exile. There's a whole exile episode. The the exile on Main Street comes out. It's just basically like, what are these bands that were so huge two years ago doing right now, and then all of these new artists that are about to kind of take over, doing as well. And it really is just like a a a meeting of the of the of rock history in that one year, kind of a nexus, right? Yes, and and passing the baton to to the next group of folks. Actually, this flows pretty well into my question for you, John. So, on our first episode, you mentioned how much you like, and I love the way you say it, 60s rock and roll. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you were, you were lamenting the excess right. of 70s rock and roll. So, how do you defend your love of fish and excess just musicianship and solos and just, it's, it is music excess. So, you love fish, but no 70s the, rock. Oh, hard-hitting so. question. <laughs> Wasn't prepared, but let's see what you got. That's fine. Um, I totally see what you're saying. And uh, Trey himself has referred to, he says he's greatly influenced by the 70s and names bands that I don't like, like Boston and, and, <laughs> oh, and Queen. Uh, what? Queen? John. You're off the pod. <laughs> We're done. We're not even going to ask you the questions fired. we usually ask our guests. You're fucking fired. <laughs> no, but my point is, is that Fish of course, harkens back to the 60s, whilst, yes, having a huge 70s-influenced arena rock, large sound. Yeah. They harken back to the 60s in the sense that they are clearly the inheritors of the Grateful Dead. 
They are clearly mm-hmm. yeah. uh, carrying the torch of the alternative subculture rock and roll mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as a stance against the mainstream, the creative element of the improvisation of the live aspect of music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. totally. Right. And, I, and I was just talking about like, not even comparing what they draw from the 60s or the 70s, but just the way their music is just filled with jam excess. You know what I mean? That's kind of their calling card. It's an, impro- an improvisational feel that you don't get in the 60s, right? I mean, that stuff, unless you're talking about jazz, doesn't really take hold of rock and roll until the 70s with the excess of, like, we have these arenas we have to fill for three hours. We're not going to play 43-minute songs, right? Yeah, that is true. But at the same time, the experimental nature of 60s, the groundbreaking mm-hmm. nature of 60s music is in mm-hmm. the daring that Fish puts forth. I agree. Yeah. I love it all. Yeah. I love 70s That's right. I, I would say the seeds of that were planted in the 60s, probably with kind of the, the, the revolution of opening up your mind. But it was able to blossom because the dead did kind of their best work and their most well-known work in the 70s on tour, you know, Europe 72, all their good albums, a lot of the great – you don't go back to, like, 69 to hear a great dead show. You're going to, like, That's true. 77, 72. Pink Floyd was doing all their – yes, the seeds for Pink Floyd, but them expanding that with the excess, having the, the ability to do that and develop that in the 70s was very beneficial to bands like Floyd – Grateful Dead, mm-hmm. you know, The Stones, like all of those bands were doing that stuff because they had that available to them. That's true. But I, I also want to point out, though, I mean, any fish head knows this, but like, well, it goes unsaid, perhaps. The compositions are phenomenal. Like, I don't listen to fish primarily for the improvisation, as a matter of fact, even though it's great to go to a live show where a band, you know, it's is fun. putting it all on the line the- and playing... In the moment, yeah. The the songs that are written are like nothing else. That's like well, the composition yeah. with they're setting themselves up for like to be able to improvise over these already great compositions. Then they start adding new stuff, but you know it's coming around to that big resolve. Yeah, and it's gonna fucking blow your mind. Right, and the and the jams are not straightforward like blues jams because of the song that they came out of being atonal, mm-hmm. arrhythmic, strange songs complicated and, 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 and saying that that makes sense that they love boston because because yeah if you think of the dead i mean they're basically jamming on traditional for the most part traditional american music whereas mm-hmm. like some of the other you know yes and boston and bands like and uh what's the phil collins peter gabriel band, genesis genesis like those bands mm-hmm. weren't coming from a strictly like here's some appalachian tunes we're gonna fucking noodle on for <laughs> you know 15 minutes or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> not to diminish how the quality of that and how it sounds <laughs> but but all right we we digress a little bit john Schfransky, our guest the last couple of weeks he this is your last week so we have a thing that we do with our guests their last week we ask them about whether you play music or have played in the past do you pl- currently play or i do still play i started playing guitar when i was in eighth grade yeah I only played guitar until recently. Well, first of all, let me point out, when I was like in my late 20s was when I started writing songs. Okay. 
and I had a really prolific two years there where I wrote, like, I say, about 40 great songs. And I can't Sweet. write... Yeah, I know. Which is cool because it's a backlog. <laughs> the pressure's off. When I... Yeah. When I when I when I form the band and strike it rich, I don't have to worry about the first like five <laughs> albums. You know, I just got them. All. <laughs> You're good. Yeah, I'm good. I got it, boys. Yeah, but I can't write anymore. It was it was just this two years where I was I was inspired. If I I could write a song still as like a craft, but yeah. it would not feel the same. I just remember this ease at this one moment. Hmm. And and what would you say most of them? originated with a, a thought like a line or a melody or you just sitting on the guitar and playing and then kind of working at it like that like what what do you think the majority of them came from good question it was um always an idea that i wanted to get across it was it was some sort of philosophical cool idea that i thought was interesting that i did not want to forget and i would mm. either put it down straightforwardly or i would do it through a metaphor and so your your songwriting was just your notes app <laughs> exactly in in rhyming <laughs> written in rhyme so as to ease me- remembering what comes next yeah yeah uh, nice. yeah exactly i would want it i knew when it was a good song that i didn't know what i was going to know by the time i finished the song i was mm. working something out uh so would you say if you had to choose strong point or actually we do a thing called mary booth kill if you I'll do it with a Mary Booth kill. Is Booth replacing the word fuck in Mary? Yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, So it would be lyric, (laughs) melody, and play, like, musicianship. In in terms of my own songwriting. Yeah, if you could take those three things and say... Kill musicianship, marry lyric, Booth (laughs) melody... (laughs) why is booth mean i never heard that before we we were were trying to keep it kid did you make up booth standing for that word or is that a term i've never heard heard it i've heard it okay 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 yeah i've heard it before i think one of either neil or jonathan were like let's do booth because i always as i always say i think of booth as the the love interest in teen wolf because her name was booth She's actually the girl that likes him that he doesn't yeah, yeah. see as a right. Yeah. She's a she's a total booth. Uh, <laughs> well, well. On that note, John uh, Shafransky, thank you for for doing this, and uh, and it's your week. So you are listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you, and this week John chose Shirley and Lee's "Let the Good Times Roll," a 1956 single written by Shirley Leonard and Leonard Lee and released on Aladdin. Come on, baby, let the good time roll. I could have picked other songs that are similar to Let the Good Times Roll, but it is a key moment that explains all that came before it and all that came after it. Okay. Sweet. Yeah, bring it. Yeah. People say, what happened to jazz? And people say, what's the origin of rock and roll? I say the origin of rock and roll is it is a form of jazz. Okay. People usually say, 
oh, it's when country music and blues music mixed. I mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. it's a form of jazz that came in the 50s in New Orleans where the greatest American music started. Jazz started mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. early 20s or early yeah. 20th century. And just as jazz was running off the rails in other parts of the country, back in good old New Orleans, jazz was still alive in forms of dance music like jump blues. If you listen to Let the Good Times Roll and forget everything you know, you can simultaneously hear it. It's clearly a rock and roll song in retrospect. Yes. But if Right. But if you know about New Orleans music in the 40s and 50s, there's nothing surprising about that song. I agree with that. Like I was familiar with this song, but not this version. Like This isn't the first song that we've done, actually, from this same recording studio around the same time. The first, Actually, the first episode of this podcast is Little Richard. Um, Neil, what was the song? <laughs> Long Tall Sally. Yeah. But the, the song, it's from the same uh, studio, Cosimo's Studios in New Orleans. I, I'm pretty sure, I couldn't find it for certain, but I'm pretty sure it's the same players playing on this record. But like, I, I'm not even sure I'd ever heard this original version of the song before. And obviously, I had heard Nilsson's version, <laughs> which, which mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, who we talked about last week. But it's... Like you said, Jonathan, it has a musical value that's not obvious today because it sounds like pretty standard fare coming from that time, especially if you weren't at Sun, you were down in, in New Orleans doing this. And Sun is a little more bluesy than this and what Little Richard and Fast Domino were doing. This is, like you said, a little more has a little more jazz. There's a lot more swing here. Exactly. Yeah, I, mean, mm-hmm. I think that's... That's what what we're talking about. It's a quintessential like good time tune. Like if you think about rock and roll, like what what's at the heart? It's like a good time tune that moves and has a fun lyric. And mm-hmm. so this song does all that. Checks all the boxes. The vocals, like hers especially, I think kind of differentiate it from other stuff because she has such a distinct voice. It, this song grew on me throughout the week, and it, it is a lot of fun to listen to you know like i was playing it through the house and like even like my girlfriend's daughters who were born 60 years after this came out are dancing around the house you know so it's you know it's probably not a 50s tunes that i will go back to but i appreciate it now that i know about it yeah yeah i wasn't super familiar either and i was hoping you were going to come in and say it was some kind of pivotal moment (laughs) in rock and roll that i did not know about um because I think what you're getting at <clears throat> makes sense. It's I think it's more important maybe than what it is as a performance. It's, it's certainly it's got a lot of character. Even their voices, like it almost sounds like Rosie Perez is singing the Shirley part. You know, <laughs> um, I I certainly dig it. It's a deep cut in my eyes. Like kind of if you threw this on at a party, it's kind of one of those songs that everyone would be like, you know, they either know the lyrics or they're gonna soon know the lyrics. You know, it's just in. <laughs> In the in the right moment, this is a killer song. Just it has a ton of charm, but yeah, I don't think I had really heard this, um, and I was just fascinated by. There's this version, and then there's just so many iterations of this kind of thought throughout rock and roll throughout the years. So it's super cool. Well, and, and just a side note, I, I said that I don't think I've ever heard. Well, I don't think I've ever heard this original, but I'm, 
I was trying to think about it all week. You know, growing up in Mississippi and New Orleans kind of being the closest city to where I grew up and spending a lot of time there, I'm pretty sure I've heard this song like a thousand times, but I'm not positive it's this one. It may be another Let the Good Times Roll. I'm, but like after thinking about it all week, I'm like, it has to be this one. Just because it, it's so New Orleans. Like it, I, when I hear Little Richard, I don't think New Orleans. You know, even though it's same studio, same players, like Fats Domino. When I hear Fats Domino, I'm like, okay, New Orleans. When I hear Professor Long here, New Orleans. Dr. John, New Orleans. This, New Orleans. Exactly. You know, I, I don't even necessarily yeah. think rock and roll. I exactly. Think New Orleans. Exactly. Yeah, well, it's funny, though. You mentioned you hadn't heard this one, and I don't know if I had either, but there isn't really a quintessential cover of it either. There's a million iterations and of the same kind of title, but this exact arrangement there's not many, really. I, I couldn't even find the like who produced it, which it's very rare that we, we do a song. I mean, we've done, I think, this is probably our fifth song from the 50s. It may be the first one that I, I, I couldn't find the producer for. There's not that much information about this song on the internet. It, so you really just kind of have to break it down as, as a song, which we will do right now. <laughs> <laughs> your song like expand a little bit on your favorite part of the song which I'm, I'm i'm guessing is the music yes of course it is the music it is the type of music it you know i don't even even think of it as a song i think of it as an example of a type of music as you said it swings it's so new orleans it is the same drummer at least as earl palmer the same guy who drummed on all of little richard's tunes and um i this is straining my limits of explanation but there is something special about the loose feel the swinging nature the emphasis on the backbeat the afterbeat as a matter of fact i was reading about earl palmer talking about his drum style today and he says that what he knew he was doing when he played on all those 50s records was he his term was the afterbeat. And I, I know what he means. I never heard if that's a real musical term. but I've never heard that either. Right. But what he is referring to is that he hits his drum a little late. It's just a little mm -hmm. late. And Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> and every player, whether it's him, whether it's the horn guys, which is a great part. I love the horn part. But the horn guys, him, the bass player, are all just a little off on purpose yeah. mm -hmm. all the time. And that's what makes you rock back and forth. That's what makes rock and roll. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and there, there's like a hesitation. Like the song rolls musically because, you know, they kind of start singing. And then when they get to come on, then when the horns kick in, like midway through the verses and the chorus, it's like bump, 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 bump. And it's like... It's like catching up to like a train. It's not necessarily whiplash because it's more fun to do than jerking your head <laughs> exactly. back. You know? Yeah. But yeah. And there's something about that afterbeat thing. I mean, I think that's one of the keys to a lot of good music cross genres. I've heard George Clinton talk about that a lot. Like the emphasis of funk is just like knowing how to hit it just after. Even the bass, like a good bass player, plays everything just a little exactly. Late. Boom. Well, and you know, just <laughs> and just when you play, like especially you know for me, like when I started playing with actual musicians who knew what they were doing and I didn't, and they were like, "Well, this song's kind of boring because I'm just doing the same thing." 
the, the same the whole song and i'm like well i don't care like i'm moving and i'm singing my lyrics and i'm playing my guitar so great but then you hear a song like this and it's like boom 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 and then you have the change in between and then you have the there's just a lot of changes in such a simple song that musically well, make it very engaging and fun and playful yeah. and just interesting that it's not mathematically perfect and you're almost playing with fire you can't play it too late you can't play it too early it's like it's it's very kind of volatile to play that way you know everyone yeah. would think that they could cover this and no one would be able to do it <laughs> going to john's point of there's jazz because this song does have uh and this isn't even necessarily the new orleans thing but it has a big band sound mm -hmm. and i don't know mm -hmm. if that's production or just the playing but it has a big band sound back here and then up here it has a little there's a little dirtier kind of rock sound which and john we've talked about this before that if you hear songs from the 50s it's all sax solos, you know. There may be some piano solos, but it's my, like it's before electric guitar was really the, yeah. the, the go-to instrument for yeah. solos. So, like, even in this song, you have that wild sax solo that even, you know, going back to the drummer, like, midway through the solo, they kind of reset, and he does this crazy little... Right. Yeah. And so it really is discovering what they could do with the form, kind of. And you could tell maybe that's why it's so loose, and maybe that's why it doesn't really matter as, as as much that it is loose and not to a click i think that just... all of its strength is how loose it is i think that the to a click mm -hmm. is the death of uh, of <laughs> of music it's when it's loose that means it's held together by something even stronger than time it means it's held together by feel that uh-huh uh-huh Wait, yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, Neil and I have been recording music, and, and we wanted this one song, that we wanted the last song, just kind of Neil on acoustic and me singing. I mean, we probably played it 25 times in the studio last weekend. The players have to be so fucking tight, and the singer's so professional. Like, you know, Neil and I have full-time jobs. Like, we're not doing this song every night or playing music every night together. Like, the feel of it, it's so, it makes you appreciate it so much more when you're like, these guys probably went in and did this in a take live. Right. So, mm -hmm. I mean, maybe there's some vocal overdubs because they're really out in front in the mix. But just to be able to, the band at least, definitely just did this live. And to have mm -hmm. the just moxie and the professionalism to do that and just know exactly what you're going to do and not hit mess up any notes. Multiple people. It's like a basketball team playing a perfect fucking quarter. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and yeah. not missing yeah. anything no turnovers yeah. no bad shots <laughs> mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. everybody doing doing their part and not worrying about it either i feel in some ways it's a lost art i mean there's still plenty of wonderful musicians and many people that can do this but you don't just get this anymore this as much live recording a song like this song it's almost like this was just another day of work for these musicians who happened to be in there. They they probably yeah. played a groove, five, 10 grooves that cool at the yeah, yeah. show that they played a... around the corner in the French Quarter that day. This just happened yeah. to be a moment that they played and those people sang fun lyrics over. 
but also yeah, yeah. This, this is I think this is similar to like the Wrecking Crew and Muscle Shoals. Like these guys were in this studio. Like the the uh, Shirley and Leo, like they were like sixteen year old years old just hanging out trying to say what's up to Fats Domino. Like these people were in there every day recording tracks. They were just putting out well, tracks as much as yeah. they can. And then they got in and did some songs for them, and they were like, all right, we can work with these guys. So, I mean, they're all pros. I mean, these people were doing this all the time, every yeah. day, all day. I'm, I'm wondering, I don't know this song, but I'm sure a lot of them, they actually have charts on what, like, just kind of where the change is and the, the general nature of it. Which, if you get people that are super professional, amazing musicians, and they're basically completely fluent at reading music you could just set it in front of them you, they don't even have to go over it you just read it and then you react and then you play your after beats and you fuck you go get a ham sandwich and the song's over <laughs> right and move on with your day <laughs> right ham sandwich and a bottle of bourbon pack of smokes and it's in you're good mufaletto <laughs> We should mention that the horn players, I'm pretty sure these are the horn players because these were the horn players for that studio, were uh, Lee Allen, Herb Hardesty, and Alvin Red Tyler. And as um, you said, the drummer was Earl Palmer. Those are the only musicians I could buy. I don't know who the bass player was on this. Well, speaking of the sax solo, I love how it comes in. It's a classic uh, sax solo entry. But I did want him to do the. Oh, you wanted like, mo- uh, plays... melodic. Yeah, I, I wanted a little more. He kind of trails off on those, um, um, and I thought it was great. But I just, I would just feel. I would have whenever... given him notes. It, it's <laughs> you would you would you would provide enough. It, it feels like whenever we hear a song like this with the sax solo, it, it's hard for a sax solo to come in easy. It's just like. Ah, we're off to the races as soon because that first note of Saxon, like it, it just carries, and then it's just, you know, I mean, it, and the sax doesn't stop; it's just constant. It, each note melts into the next, so it can it can come out of the gates like a freight train. Well, yeah, and kind of, you know, we've been talking about the music a lot, which kind of is the production. Like, again, I don't know the producer of this, but I I do want to point out one little thing on the production side is that. Uh, after that solo, when they come back in, mm, feel so good. And there's this little, like, subtle, Ooh. like, uh, that's my favorite part. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's a little, it, it's so low in the mix and so quick. It's just like every uh-huh. time I listen to it, I'm like, waiting on it, waiting on it. It's one of those parts <laughs> of a song that you're like, it's here. I would do it sometimes. I'd be like, uh, and I'm like, nope, not there. It's yeah, coming up yeah, here. It's, it's on the last one, not the first one, because I was listening to it again. I was like, did I make that up? <laughs> so let's let's move from the music to the vocal, because I think that is the other kind of I don't want to say standout because I'm not going to lie. I don't I don't love the sound of her voice. It's almost too like Minnie Mousy, you know, mm-hmm, cute. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's like it's Rosie Perez. It's like kinky, but like I don't know how sexy it is, you know? Like it, it's kinky. It's, it's kinky, but yeah, I, I just don't. Yeah, no, it's just full of character. It almost seems like a cartoon character, you know? <laughs> but that their their voices work together, and I like how they. I don't because I was trying to think of another duet group that does it like they do this, where it's like you do this, I do this, you do this, I do this, like. And, you know, especially in the bridge, I think it's, it stands out. Because she's like, 
feel so good. Mm. When you're and then he's like, "Come on, baby, rock me all um, night long." Well, his voice, his voice has a very a lot of character to it too. Just the way he comes in, come on, baby, it's, oh, it's very... yeah. I mean, his voice is—I don't want to say standard for the time, but because it, it sounds great. But you know, it's not Little Richard. It's not Sam Cooke. I mean, it sounds great, but it's kind of what what it is. And they took the—they—they—they they, they seem to be. We're, you almost want to believe that they're actually a couple. I don't know yeah. if they actually are, but at least in the song, there are there are two characters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who are yeah. clearly mm-hmm. dating, singing to each other, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and they play it well. I mean, the vibe of the song itself, vocally, is exactly mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. you what you want it to be based on the lyric, right? I mean, because mm-hmm. the lyric is we have a thing, John, we call rock and roll lyrics, which is just gibberish that sounds cool. This actually is rock and roll lyrics that make sense. And are fun and just simple and right. I want to. I would say this is a slightly specific type of rock and roll lyrics, which is it's almost like they're emceeing. They're yeah right. So that is funny when rock and roll lyrics are like particularly stupid and they're just going two, four, six, eight, my baby, whatever. Like, (laughs) and they they rhyme (laughs) colors like certain like sixty seventies rock when you hear like cool things and you're like oh my god it's so cool and you're like what does that mean you're like nothing right it means nothing. This is almost (laughs) not lyrics. It's things being shouted over music in order to help an audience better embrace and get into the moment. And and have fun in the way that the music is encouraging them to have fun. But it's got that kind of 50s, early 60s rock and roll lyric that is like to a specific crowd, like 16 to 20, you know, smoking cigs, Fuck yeah. you know, having some drinks at <laughs> right. the sock hop. Right. You know, hey, right. this is what we're going to do tonight. Maybe you'll get laid. Like, right. we're not going to say it outright because, you know, people aren't supposed to do mm-hmm. that before marriage. And and kids, it, it's specific to kids, right. and it makes a lot of sense to kids. Right. It, it's mm-hmm. not vulgar. It's not, like, over the top. It's not me, 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 look at me. It's just, like, here's a story. Let's just go out and have fun tonight and let the good times roll. Right. And it does that really well. Right. It, it's mm-hmm. very effective. I agree with you. I totally know the type of teen rock and roll lyric that you're talking about. This one, I want to stick up for a little bit more in the sense that I do get the vibe of on one sense a hard working couple who had a tough week partially Uh because I know they're in New Orleans and it's like a juke joint really good time blowing off some steam let's live it up tonight because life ain't easy yes absolutely New Orleans like the whole vibe of that city is Let's have a good time. Right. So this song in and of itself, and that's probably why I feel like I've heard this a hundred, you know, thousand times in right. bars in New Orleans with people just playing this. Because yeah. it is, again, like we said, it has the, the New Orleans vibe. And well, it is. It definitely gets a little close. You know, you can tell what they're talking about when she says, uh, close the door. Come right. on, baby, let's rock some more. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's subtle without being subtle. Is that what you're saying? Uh-huh. <laughs> so good when you're home come on baby it, what's funny is this is basically a one four five song like yep. it's it they don't do any other verse of course the same as when they do in the beginning uh which hmm. is at the end of that they go to 
like a, a, a major two before resolving on the five. So they, you know, hmm. rock me all night long. They, they go to a different chord there. They don't do that again? Not huh. It's not the same chord. I, I don't know why, but it, it is. I mean, it sounds great, but it, it's one of those things where, Neil, I think we talked about it when we did the Marvin Gaye song, where it's like there's certain songs where you, you do something, and then you just don't do it again, even though people expect it. Usually you wait until the end of the song. You're like, mm-hmm. you, you give them something that they haven't heard before. But this is like, boom. And then you're like, when are they going to do that again? Melodically, it's it's pretty much what you expect from a song from this time. I think the music, as we mm-hmm. established, the music kind of separates it from. And the, just with the lyrics, there's something about, there's something just so brilliant about Let the Good Times Roll. I'm sure that was in songs with iterations before, but just being able to take that very simple thought and make a good, put a good melody behind it. Sometimes it's right there in front of you. Just, just sing about the good times. Hey, one of my favorite t-shirts growing up was a Tabasco sauce t-shirt that said "Laissez les bon temps rouler," uh-huh, which, uh-huh. which is let the good times roll in French. It was definitely from New Orleans, but and I wore that thing until there were holes to where there was like a hole big enough to where it was about to like split in half. You know, like one more wash and it was gonna disintegrate. Those are the best. Uh, yeah. Well, a, a couple fun facts. This song was uh, number one on the R&B charts, and it hit number 20 on the Hot 100 in 1956. And then it got to number 47 on a re-release in 1960. Hmm. It did sell over a million copies, and it went gold. I didn't go back and watch these clips, but I'm sure it did. It appears in Apocalypse Now, Stand By Me, and Manchester by the Sea. Now, if this was the SATs, you'd be like, which one of these don't belong in that? <laughs> and the answer would be Manchester by the Sea. One of my favorite oh, movies. That, was that used in an ironic way? Ugh. I don't know, but they're all good movies. I'm surprised it wasn't in American Graffiti because I feel like it would work well in that movie. Mm-hmm. But a fun fact about Shirley is she had a disco hit. in the. She kind of like disappeared after this and had a disco hit in the 70s called Shame, Shame, Shame. I don't think hmm. I know, and I didn't listen to. Sorry, Shirley. And she sang background vocals on "Let It Loose" from the Rolling Stones' "Exile on Main Street" album, hmm. which well, I'm gonna have to cool. go back and listen to that wow. song. Yeah, yeah. And see if I can hear her distinct, yeah, voice. But speaking of "Let It Loose," I think that brings us to the vibe time portion of this podcast. And, uh, John, you get one more chance to, to bring us into the vibe in three, two, one. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Catching a ride to the moon tower. <laughs> well, John, it is your song. When do you specifically want to hear this? I am going outside the box for this answer. I am saying that this song makes me want to time travel because I cannot Ah. tell you a certain moment in my week that I want to hear this song. (laughs) I can just tell you that more than anything, I wish I could be in New Orleans in the 1940s or 1950s in a juke joint while music like this is going on. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you there. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm going to, Neil, Neil uh, almost took mine earlier, like just said it unknowingly. But I, this is like a before dinner party song. When folks come over, whether dinner or what, you're having people over for the night, first drinks are served, like people aren't drunk, 
So you put this on because they're not most people aren't gonna know it. So they can't like sing it. Like you're not gonna put it on when people are wasted and they're, they're like <laughs> uh, they can't sing it uh, like without you, which we talked about last week. But like <laughs> it's just a good way to start the night like audibly, sonically, whatever you want to say for folks. They're like, yeah, let's let the good times roll tonight. Cool. Let's, and uh, added bonus if it's a swingers party. <laughs> well, I'll go the opposite end of the spectrum. I want to use this like coming home from a long, crazy vacation. You you got off the airplane, you're driving home, and as you're pulling up, you put this on ironically and just like look at whoever you went on vacation with like, hey, man, it's over. It's over, but that's no reason the good times can't keep on rolling. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, vacations, uh, I think that's time we, we slide under the influence and talk about the influences of this song, which um, I'll get us started with this. You know, we're, we're back at Fats Domino. We were there last week a little bit. Obviously, we talked about New Orleans, kind of that whole swing that's coming from there. And then I did read that the vocal delivery on this song is is kind of quoted as being a a big influence for early reggae bands and how they hmm. sang. Huh, that makes sense. And it I, sounds kind of like that some of that early Bob Marley, that real kind of like character voice, like, yeah. steer it up. <laughs> the way they're kind of bouncing there is very reggae. And then I, mm-hmm. I do, like, when I heard this, I just couldn't help but think uh, a recent, well, in the last six months selection on this pod, it, the Ronettes. Like I, I hear sure. heard that voice being an influence on that, and the wall of sound in general. Like this song had to have had some influence on Spectre. So, John, what do you think? I was gonna say, of course, everything we already talked about the Cosimo Mata. What's the guy's name? Matassa yeah. Studio. As you can tell from what I said in the beginning, I think it influenced everything that happened afterwards. Henceforth. <laughs> yes. Um, and I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. Man. I don't yeah. think you're wrong at all. 1956, the year that changed music. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but when you just mentioned reggae, that's so interesting. I had trouble thinking about it, but um, Mr. Brown, uh, yeah, that yeah. Bob Marley so, song uh, sounds like this mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, mean, I love that song. Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. Uh, Neil, amazing. what you got? <clears throat> I think it had a lot of influence. Obviously, I agree with John. And I just found it funny how many, you know, I brought it up, but how many iterations there are. There's the Dead's Let the Good Times Roll. Jimi Hendrix on Electric Ladyland has a bluesy Let the Good Times Roll. Obviously, the Cars. Um, just this sentiment has had a lot of um, influence throughout rock and roll. Um, and you know, just, it, it definitely, when it comes on, when it first comes on, I, I almost want Ray Charles to start singing cause it right, just sounds yeah. so bomb, bomb. <laughs> it sounds like a Ray Charles song. Yeah. I don't have anything other than that. Just, just the, let the good times roll sentiment is, uh, permeated throughout rock history. Well, you know, talking about letting the good times roll, I, I think we, we can roll it under the covers right now. Uh, especially with the Ray Charles, because when you look up this song, a song called Let the Good Times Roll by Ray Charles yes, comes up, and it, it's not this song. <laughs> also no. covered by a lot of people. Neil, why don't you let us know uh, any covers that stood out to you that you heard? Well, The Animals, which was a very good one. I was glad I found that one, not to be confused with Good Times. <laughs> do you guys know that one? Uh, I do. I, I actually didn't listen Where, to Animals cover of this, though. But uh, I found a Roy Orbison cover of this. Mm, not as which, Not as good as I wanted it to be. No, 
but it was it was fun. I mean, uh, and then the last one I found was the Righteous Brothers doing it real fast version. I enjoyed that was, one. Obviously, they're really good. <laughs> yeah, the Roy Orbison that I wanted Roy to sound like is the one that Conway Twitty did. This would be more an influence, but this song really reminds me of um, classic sing-along songs like Midnight Special, After uh, Midnight. Yeah. Kind of like it's like one of those that it, it for some reason it feels very Midnight Special to me. Just almost like the kind of way yeah. it kind of moves. Wake up in the morning. Yeah. Um, John, what, did, did you listen to any covers? I couldn't find many other than the Harry Nilsson one, which is good, but not the same. Did you yeah. say... Conway Twitty covered it? Yeah, so Conway Twitty did like a pretty straight rockabilly mm. cover of mm-hmm. that. I would say it's worth a listen. I did like the Righteous Brothers. Bunny Sigler recorded this and actually charted with it. Uh, I don't mm. know what year, but very F- Philadelphia soul sounding. It's pretty good. Um, I did see a little clip of Joe Strummer playing it on a out-of-tune piano. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what's funny is there's like four or five heavy metal bands that covered this, um, <laughs> which are not like Twisted Sister did one. But you're not, not talking about recommend. Let the Bad Times Roll yeah, by Offspring? I, no. <laughs> that's, the anti- that's the antithesis of this song. That's where when rock went bad. Um, but, but, but there's a band called Slade that did it in the early 70s, which I didn't actually hate. It's a little like heavy, but it, I didn't hate. Twisted Sisters I hated. Uh, George Clinton did a version with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's, it's hmm. fun. Like it's like a fun like yeah, yeah. celebration nice. cover. Some really good guitar work on there. A uh, lot of vocals singing um, together. But I mean, there's so many. Okay, John, it's your song. How does the shoe fit for Let the Good Time Roll? It's a good old pair of dancing shoes, shiny and black. I polish them. I take good care of them. I've had them resold. Many times because I love them, but I dance my ass off in them and I wear out the soles <laughs> very fast. Nice, yeah. nice. All right, all right. Neil, what you got? Well, uh, very similar. And although it was a year later, whatever shoes were part of the uniform for Marvin Berry and the Starlighters, um, that band, <laughs> which was the band from Enchantment Under the Sea. So whatever shoes they wore. Yeah. Is, Marvin it's Berry. <laughs> Chuck, it's your cousin Starlighters. <laughs> earth Angels uh, calling from above. Um, or calling from Earth. I don't know. Uh, I would say that this fits. It fits. But, like, I'd rather wear another shoe that has parts that were inspired by this one. You know, like it's like 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 a Vans instead of like this. It's like a collab. Chucks. You need like a Nike collab. I, no, no, I, I was thinking more like a, a van like I'm gonna go to the van store and get a shoe and I'm gonna be like, you know what? This kind of reminds me of like those like seventies Chuck Taylor mm-hmm. Converses that basketball players were wearing. That's what what, what this, this this song fits like. Good answer. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, on that note, uh, John Chafransky, thank you so much for being a part of Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you for the last three episodes. Yes. It was a pleasure, John. Uh, Thanks, guys. I'm going to miss you. Yeah, yeah. We're, hopefully, we'll have you back someday. Good. Uh, if, if you'll have us. Good. And um, in the meantime, our cover of Shirley and Lee's Let the Good Times Roll. Come on, baby, let the good times roll. Come on, baby, let me thrill your soul. Come on. Times roll, roll.
The cover you just heard was performed by Josh Bond. Thanks for listening to the pod gave rock and roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at podgaverock, or send us an email to what at podgaverock.com. Next week is Neil's week, and we will be discussing Paul McCartney's Let Me Roll It. Can't wait! <laughs> <laughs>